Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Happy to Meet Cute. This is Fallon Ballard here with my intrepid co-host, Courtney K. Courtney! Fabulous Fallon. How are you doing? It's our first recording day of 2024, and I feel like I forgot how to podcast. (laughs) Isn't it like... I know. Like, I almost have, like, in the beginning when I used to get so nervous. Yeah. I get nervous to get, like, after, well, we had a break. How long? Four weeks? Yeah. Yeah. We did, like, a month off, which was nice. I know. I'm getting nervous again. (laughs) I know. I'm like, do I remember how to have conversations with people? I don't know. I honestly, (laughs) (laughs) that answer could change minute by minute. (laughs) I know. So I know we did our most anticipated. Yes. I can't remember what we talked about before that. I can't either. I don't know. We did one. (laughs) How has the start of your year been? Let's go there. It's been good. I, it's been really interesting, like just the fortuitous timing of it all. But I basically got, had my phone call with my editor um, last week to talk about edit notes for the holiday book. Um, I saw the first draft of the cover for the holiday book, which oh. I am like, it's happening so fast. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so yeah, I kind of just have been like diving straight into that. Um, and then my agent was like, also send me the fantasy book when it's done. And I'm like, cool. So, you know, just there was no like smooth, easy transition back into real life. It was just like, no, here you go. Everything at once. Um, oh, wow. But that was good. That's fine. Putnam's good. getting right to it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good. Um, I know you haven't been feeling super great lately, but how has it been for you? Well, I think I had like a lack of personal life boundaries for the past (laughs) month and a half. I was basically like winter camp mom, like hosting every, you know, it was, it was a joy, but it was like a lot. And, you know, each season of parenthood is like brings new learning. And like I think Mm -hmm. moving forward, I'm going to have to be like, well, no. (laughs) this is good though you like you learned how to say no when it comes to career author stuff (laughs) and so now you just need to take those lessons and apply them to this so you're good my whole if I ever have a memoir it'll just be learning boundaries (laughs) learning how to set boundaries how to say no by Courtney K (laughs) (laughs) um no, but it's hard when you're a parent because, like, you just want to say yes to everything. And it's a joy yeah. to see your kids so happy. And so, like, that fills you back up. But it's like, I always get sick when I run my body down and I don't mm-hmm. rest. So I got sick. But I did rest a lot. And I watched all the Avengers movies. <laughs> I was like, now is my time. They're you've like come... three hours long each. I know. Some of them are really long. But you've come to the light side, and I love that for you. <laughs> I started with actually Doctor Strange, the first two movies, which I loved. 
Um, and then I feel like they were like accessible superhero movies, if that makes sense. <laughs> like it was just like two movies that you could watch that were basically his whole story yeah. thus far. And then that led me to Avengers. But I liked starting with Avengers because you basically got to see the majority of the characters of like the yeah. main, the the big players. <laughs> yeah. The main guys. Yeah. Yes. And it's easy to, if you have like a tiny bit of background, which I did, it was easy to kind of piece everything together. And, oh, yeah. So good. I love it. I, you texted me like, oh my God, Dr. Strange is so good. And I was like literally my least favorite movie i could tell there was like some feelings <laughs> but really that's wait, what it takes to get you in i accept it why wait why was it your least favorite well first of all i <laughs> saw it, the first one in the theater and it gave me motion sickness oh, um yes oh yes absolutely like <laughs> when he's like first discovering the yeah what's it called multiverse like, yeah i was like oh. this is a lot um also i just like it's so interesting because so many of them i mean like dr strange and tony stark i think have a lot in common in that they're just like incredibly smart they're rich they're good looking they're cocky little assholes but there's something about tony stark that is just like charming that dr strange doesn't have for me that's fair and um it kind of I'm like mm. um and I hated the second Doctor Strange, the most recent one, because mm. of what they did to Wanda, which probably oh, yeah. doesn't make sense to you if you didn't watch WandaVision. So WandaVision was like what their first Marvel's like first like show on Disney Plus, and it is so good. And Doctor Strange just ripped apart everything that happened in that show. And I was just like, uh, like the director of the movie was like, oh, I didn't watch WandaVision. And I was like, what? Questionable. (laughs) Perhaps you should have. (laughs) Wow. So I like to pretend that that movie doesn't exist. Okay, but that makes sense. So when I... (laughs) Because I started with those movies, I was like, oh, this is the Scarlet Witch. And I went into Avengers thinking she's a villain. Mm. So then when I was introduced to her and her twin in, what was it, the second Mm. or third? Yeah, Age of Ultron, the second one. The second one. I was like, oh, okay, wait, no, she's good. She's an Avenger now. And then I actually started WandaVision and because I love Wanda and Vision. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh, the title makes sense to me now. Like, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, I love being you, in the know. You got to um, finish WandaVision because it's so good. It's so good. They're so adorable. I'm only on like the third episode. But yeah, I mean, even looking back on the, doc- the second Doctor Strange, I was like, that's weird that they made her so evil. Like. Yeah. That's weird. Like she's never she's never that's very uncharacteristic. Yeah. Um Yeah, but I okay, have you watched Infinity War and Endgame yet? Yeah. I watched okay. all of I I just watched like how many hours? <laughs> Three times twelve hours. 
on the couch. <laughs> we were, I think it was on New Year's Eve where we were just like, we had some friends over and we were just kind of like, we watched the, um, the East Coast time ball drop so that the kids could like all go to bed. And so you're just kind of like flipping through the channels and finding something to watch. And Infinity War was on. And I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I haven't really sat down to watch it again. And I was like, this movie is so fucking good. Movie slaps. And (laughs) it's so good. And we saw the part where, um, where Cap comes back. And I was like, oh, this is when we get stern brunch daddy, Captain America. And Matt was like... (laughs) what and i'm like just watch and he watched and he was like oh that is stern brunch daddy cap and i'm like yeah wait what does that mean what is what does that mean brunch oh my gosh okay so andy christopher coined this term the stern brunch daddy oh my god and it is a very specific type of man who usually has a beard okay um definitely gives off like rich vibes um but is like super serious and stern in the way but also gives you the vibe where you know that like he's the kind of man that's gonna say good girl oh so so yes absolutely him in that film like that's you just described him so like oscar isaac when he has a beard Yeah, 100% of the time. Pedro Pascal? Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget this. This was like a couple years ago. Uh, It was during the pandemic, like the later stages. Matt and I, for our like 10th wedding anniversary, it was like we couldn't like really go do anything. So we went on like a staycation and we stayed at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel, which is one of my favorite hotels in the world. It's amazing. Um, and I explained to him on that trip what a stern brunch daddy is, because if you ever go to the Hollywood Roosevelt, okay, they're everywhere. So <laughs> I explained this concept to Matt, and now it is like a thing where like anytime we are out in public and we see somebody who could be a stern brunch daddy, he's like, oh, that guy. <laughs> S- SBD. He's- spots them in the wild <laughs> i love um, it they're so cute um yeah you know when he showed up with his beard i was like what the fuck mm. and then mm-hmm. i was actually really upset when he shaved it <laughs> you're like, like no go back go back <laughs> be brooding then okay um have oh. you watched Oh, go ahead. No, you go. I was going to say, have you watched Thor Ragnarok yet? No, but it's high on my list because I love Thor and his himbo energy. Like, I was expecting Thor to be like, I am Thor. But he was like, I just love him. He's adopted. That's like one of my favorite lines in Avengers. Yeah. (laughs) We're talking about Loki. He's adopted. (laughs) (laughs) The humor Um, is so good. The only thing, Fallon, that I don't like that doesn't really happen in DC is that they people die. Do they come back? Like I'm waiting for them to come back in future movies. Like 
obviously no spoilers if for people who haven't seen it, but like I was shocked. I thought all of them were gonna like come back. Are you who are you talking about <laughs> that you think is gonna come back? <laughs> Black Widow. Oh. Uh, and I mean she fun- she does get her own movie after, which is also very good. I really liked her movie. Um but it isn't- came out oh, yeah. timeline wise. So the movie came out after Infinity War and Endgame, but timeline timeline wise, it takes place before. Yeah, um, and Iron so, Man. Yeah, he's not coming back. What? Um, the- <laughs> I'm gonna cry. Why do they do that? They're superheroes. They cannot die. Like all of the villains in DC, had never die. I mean, they did that because Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans didn't want to play those characters anymore. Fuck so that. I know. I mean, it's interesting because, like, post Steve Rogers Captain America, we now have Sam Wilson Captain yeah. America. So we have, like, a new Captain America, and so it's fine. That's um, true. But, like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if eventually they'll just recast Iron Man or if. Yeah, if like not. Spider-Man. We'll just have, like, multiple. Yeah, just yeah, have but multiple. You, I don't know. Robert Downey Jr. is, like... Oh, tough. Yeah. He's just so good. I mean, Iron Man, the first one in 2008, is the reason that we have the MCU as it is today. That was the first movie they made in this sort of, you know, stretch of movies. And... It was like one of those things where when they announced him as Iron Man, everybody was like, what is this Oscar winning actor doing playing this comic book character? Mm -hmm. And he really came in and like sort of changed the game. And that's why we have all of these movies to obsess over. (laughs) Wow. I didn't know that. He was a trailblazer. Yeah. For the A-listers coming in. Yeah. Also, I had a thought when you compare Doctor Strange and Tony Stark. Tony Stark has pepper pots, mm-hmm. right? And don't you think that, like, their relationship mm-hmm. makes him, like, yeah, more redeemable. Like, more yeah. flawed, more real, more, like, lovable. That's true. That's a good point. It humanizes him a little yeah. bit. And, yeah. And Doctor Strange, I don't even know. I just know it's Rachel McAdams. <laughs> I know. I don't know her name. <laughs> but like they, there's not much going on. Like, yeah. there's like four scenes. Yeah. Okay. So the other thing you need to do is once you have watched a few more movies, okay. Um, there is an animated series on Disney Plus called What If. Oh yeah. And it is fantastic. Uh, so the kid and I have been watching the second season, and he's like over his Marvel phase, which of course is the most disappointing thing as a parent I've had to encounter so far, but he loves these what if episodes. Okay. And we just finished one the other night. I died, Cordy. It was what if the Avengers got together in 1602. So it is like Avengers, but Shakespeare, like they are all. Did they write that just for you? And I was like, who did this? I love you the most. This is the best thing I have ever seen in my entire life. I'm obsessed. Um, but they're so good and they're so fun. And um, 
they just put like fun little twists on like the different stories that are super cool. Oh, they're fun. I have to tell you something so funny. So I like ordered my favorite like chicken pho soup for pickup, and I um got in my car after watching like all the Doctor Strange movies, both. I got in my car, and the music that came on was the Broadway Sirius XM, and I'm, I had this moment. And I'm like, oh my god, I am morphing into ballad, <laughs> and I love it Amazing. because I have it on my favorites, but I don't listen to it often because I don't always recognize the musicals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm starting to listen to it more. Love I it. Love it. Um. You were with us when we saw Rogers the musical, right? Oh my god. Well now yeah. I under now I get okay. so much of it. Yeah. Which they closed the show at California Adventure, which is so dumb and it makes me so upset. But you can find the cast recording. You can download it. And I have. And I listen oh. to it regularly. <laughs> I I actually I feel like that show, and I didn't realize it at that time, but that show was like a core memory. I loved it so much. I think about it a lot. Like, yeah. when we went to go see Rogers the Musical. Well, and now I get it, because I didn't know his name was Steve Rogers. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I like that I had that background going into Avengers, or else I would not understand, like, his jokes yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I love him. So, <laughs> so what what do I watch next? What do I... Like, I there's put also... Thor Ragnarok at the top of your list. It's my favorite Marvel movie. Okay. And you have enough of a background now that you can... Yeah. Yeah. And I had an epiphany with Jessica Pata because I texted her that I was like, I watched all the stuff now. Or not all of it. I, I started to. So I was like, I think I really love like most of the men of Marvel and like the woman of DC. Mm, interesting. Okay. <laughs> because all of my favorite DC characters are like femme. Like I love poison ivy and harley quinn and wonder woman and um catwoman batgirl batwoman like all of them they're so fucking badass yeah like they're so gorgeous and like there are a couple of the guy like superman like because of henry cavill but then like um with mcu i I, like a lot of the guys i'm like oh wow (laughs) okay but i also haven't watched that much yeah, okay. you gotta watch Captain Marvel. I was You'll just love gonna say Captain I Marvel. love Brie Larson. I love Captain Marvel. So she was yeah. my like Henry Cavill of. <laughs> yeah, you'll get into that one, and then when you watch Thor Ragnarok, you will be fully introduced to the wonder that is Tessa Thompson as the Valkyrie. Ooh, and okay, okay, that's all you need to say. I get it. <laughs> I, I mean, basically, I, I basically the way that I would have sex with everyone in Thor Ragnarok is <laughs> they're all so hot. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's okay, Matt, for research. <laughs> yeah, it's research it's oh, for my I job. Know. You're like, oh, that's research. (laughs) I mean, I feel like, you know, Matt would understand. (laughs) I also texted Jenny that I started watching Marvel 
stuff and um her and her husband were very happy for me done yeah i'm really loving this journey for you and loving it for me too it's gonna make our disneyland trips even more exciting we'll have to spend some good time in avengers campus next time we go oh yeah um yeah yeah and now i'm like okay which marvel lounge fly do i want (laughs) and i um okay so i got the spider-man ears not too long ago those are so cute they are i love them they also had scarlet witch ears at one point Uh and i need to find those i think they're probably not available anymore but i want them i feel like everything's available on the internet well yes but i'm not gonna pay a hundred dollars for a pair of ears what (laughs) can't i can't do it no way um all right well this has been a fantastic conversation i can't wait for many more um i would like you to watch thor ragnarok before we do another intro so that we can just talk about that next okay (laughs) done for research i'll watch it again yeah sorry and it'll be so hard for you (laughs) It's so far. Um, amazing. All right. Well, speaking of amazing, we have one of our favorite people on the podcast yes. today, Jenny Howe, whose fantastic book on the plus side is already out and it is so good. Um, and if you haven't gotten it already, you need to. Yay. We love Jenny. So yes. Jenny fan club. I feel like Jenny will also appreciate this intro. Yes. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Love that for all of us. All right. So sit tight and we'll be right back with Jenny Howe. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us again on Happy to Meet Cute. Um, why do I feel like I was like a news anchor for a moment? I was like, <laughs> this is Courtney K coming at you with Fallon Ballard. <laughs> Live. Live. I feel like a proud papa today because I have... <laughs> My bestie, Jenny L. Howe, is here. I'm here. <laughs> this has been a long time coming. I'm so glad that Including it's trying the to day. schedule it. I know. Um, Jenny L. Howe first started scribbling stories into black and white composition notebooks with neon pink pens when she was in junior high and never really stopped. In college, she decided to turn her love of books into a career by pursuing a PhD in literature, where she spent the next few years studying bizarre and entertaining medieval romances. Now as a professor, she teaches courses in college writing, literature, and children's media. When she's not writing and teaching, Jenny spends her time buried under puzzle pieces, cross-stitching her favorite characters, and taking too many pictures of her rescue dogs, Tucker and Dale. <laughs> Jenny! It's your gotcha day today. Aww. Three babies. years. Years with my babies. They're so babies. cute. How old are they now? So Tucker is four and Dale is four and a half. Oh, oh God. And so I, it's wild to look at the pictures where, like, when we adopted them and how scared and, like, underfed they were and how completely spoiled and wild <laughs> they are now. <laughs> <laughs> They're thriving. They Aww. are thriving, absolutely. Best That's thing so we sweet. ever did. So sweet. I love that. Little puppies. My kid is like really going in hard lately with wanting to adopt a cat. And I just am like, 
I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. You, you, you can do it. You can. Gonna leave one of hers at your house. Oh, we have a so, bunch of neighborhood cats that just like oh. stroll around, and so they just like wind up on our porch all the time. And so every time yeah, they are, yeah, I'm like my yeah. niece when they wanted a dog. So she was like, this was during quarantine, so she was like 11 at the time. She set up a protest on her front lawn with all her neighborhood friends with signs that were like dogs make home better and this house needs a dog she papered her house in flyers about why golden retrievers are the best dogs did she get a dog oh for christmas absolutely oh yeah (laughs) they'd already had one but he had passed away and like she yes they got her a new golden for christmas oh i was like Good for this her. Is amazing, right? <laughs> wow. Good for Our her. next uh, up and coming politician here. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell your son that there no. are other ways to convince your parents to get it. <laughs> he would never put that much effort in, so I'm okay. oh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I know my kid. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Okay. Well, you are. A couple weeks post release at this point in time with On the Plus Side, which is absolutely freaking amazing. And actually, I think oh, we've wow. talked about it on the podcast I, a couple times already. Oh, no yeah. Way. <laughs> absolutely. We mention it like all the time. <laughs> I didn't even know you read it, Fallon. Oh my God. Of course. Obviously. <laughs> I just walk around assuming no one's read my book. I don't know if like you do that as a writer as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I yeah. do. Yeah. Or every time I get a letter from my editor and she's like, oh my God, this was so fun. I loved it. I'm like, she hated it. Yes. Absolutely. She hated Me too. It. I do that. Yeah. Yeah. I do that too. Oh, well, I, I'm just trying to keep my like spirits up so I'll revise. Right. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my god, guys, we're so messed up. Okay, um, but anyway, the book is incredible. Please tell us all about it. So On the Plus Side is a grumpy sunshine romance about a woman who is nominated to be on a makeover show. So think Queer Eye, but for fat people by fat people. And she accidentally falls in love with the grumpy plaid-wearing cameraman. And the chaos ensues as they try to keep their love off the air. No, that's such a cute little tagline too. Thank you. I'm very good at these. They really help when you're doing signings, like at like Barnes and Noble, and people will come up and be like, "Well, what's it about?" Yeah, like having these like one line things, and then they look at the book and walk away. Oh, (laughs) don't even get me started on like the. The Barnes and Noble cold signings. Oh, I mean, I <laughs> at least you get a chance to talk about your book. I feel like every time I go do a signing at a Barnes and Noble, my main thing I do is tell people where the bathroom is. <laughs> the info desk. That happened to me last weekend. Somebody was asking me about self-help books. They asked me where the bathroom was. And I would just be like, 
Hi, I don't work here. Well, oh you get God. people not wanting to make eye contact with you oh, because yeah. Yeah. they're like, yeah, because yeah. you're like a salesperson. You yeah. know, they don't want to have to. You're like, like the Girl Scout want, table. I don't want whatever book you've got there. Just don't look at me. Oh my God, it's so true. Okay. Like, off their tip, have a good short elevator pitch. It makes those yes. things less um, uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really bad at those. Um, I'm going to just send you my book and then can you write one for me? <laughs> Absolutely. You think I don't own all your books, Fallon? <laughs> oh my gosh. I had to give one yesterday. It was like my first podcast I was recording talking about right on cue. And I was like, what the fuck is this book about? <laughs> I don't know. I wrote two and a half years ago that I don't remember. Like I got, I got nothing. I got nothing. Um, okay, but I'm obsessed with on the plus side because, well, many reasons, but yes, I was a huge what not to wear fan, like religiously watched that show, and I miss those vibes. Like, I really like Queer Eye, but there was just something about what not to wear that I was just like, this show is everything I ever want in a TV show. Um, <laughs> my mom and I watched it together all the time. Yes, it just had a like a hold on our generation that <laughs> um, hasn't been repeated. The problem with it is that they were mean. Yeah, but that they was were mean. Fun. It was kind of fun because you weren't oh, the one were in the mean. mirror. In so, like the 360 mirror. Yeah. <laughs> What's her and name? Like, so the Stacy Clinton. Don't you think she's like the Simon Cowell of yes. makeover shows? Yeah. Although Clinton was not much better. He could also be very snarky. But I, I, so the book came about largely because I too sat with my mother every Thursday night or whatever it was on the couch and we would judge everybody along with Stacey and Clinton (laughs) as they threw out their clothes and something and whatnot. But I always was really bugged by the way that whenever, and they kind of did this to everybody, but especially plus size people, there was like one look you got, right? Like- it didn't matter if you were an artist, they might let you put a scarf on, right? <laughs> or something, but it was yeah. the fitted jacket or the the dress with the very fitted waist and the A-line skirt. And that was what you had to look like because it made your body look like what everybody thought a woman's body should look like. Mm-hmm. And I didn't love that message, right? Like yeah. I think clothes should be fun and clothes should mm. be how we express who we are. And also what we feel comfortable in. And I feel like they didn't care a lot about that on the show. Like they often would, would not listen to people yeah. and put them in stuff. And there wasn't a lot of attention to the ways in which that people didn't have the privilege to stop to shop at stores where they're going to get things tailored and you know, things like that. Right. And I read a lot in the past about like behind the scenes and how Stacey and Clinton didn't actually shop with them the way they make it look (laughs) and they actually didn't send you home with all that much clothes and like there are all of these like things that weren't true about the show and so I was like I want to create what I recreate what I loved about that show but with the spirit of Queer Eye and the sort Mm. of addition of you can't grow by just changing what you put on your body you have to sort of think holistically right and so that's what I was coming at it for yeah. I love it. I love that. Yeah, I think um like I'm 
still probably stuck in my what not to wear fashion advice because that is mm-hmm. totally like what I gravitate toward is mm-hmm. like a top that's like not going to be tight on my stomach and then mm-hmm. something to give me shape and like mm-hmm. I haven't fully unpacked that advice yep. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. I'm like I'm gonna wear my tight skinny jeans and my leggings and whatever else I want and to anybody doesn't like it <laughs> yeah. yeah I love that I uh, actually told my husband, because we both turned 40 in 2023, and I was like, my goal as a 40-year-old is to start just, like, not giving a shit what other people think about my appearance. And he was like, you you haven't done that yet? And I was like, no, I haven't done that yet. Welcome to being a woman. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, I hit 40 and I said, everybody can go F off. Like that, like it was literally like, I'm done. Right. And it has been the best, uh, literally my, so I'm going to be 44 in March and my forties have been the best four years of my life Mm, in terms of just like doing things that that's what I got my first tattoo at 40. You know, I decided at 40, I wanted to embrace a style that felt like me and not worry about whether it was what's in fashion or what people think somebody with a body like mine should be wearing, you know, I just kind of, I stopped having time for people who were sucking all the energy out of me, mm-hmm. you know, so like 40 was just where I was like, <laughs> and it has been the greatest four years of my life mm-hmm. because I've let go of a lot of that. So I am all for this Valen. I love I it. I love this journey. I love Amazing. Too. Amazing. Um, okay. Well, I want to talk to you about all the things, but more about yeah. the book. Um, yeah. where did you draw your hero inspiration for this one? Because he's Logan. so good. <laughs> Love so, Logan. I always find this to be a really interesting question because I don't know where you both write romance to how you come about this. But for me, I'm always like, I come up with the main character first. And then it's mm-hmm. always who is the person who's best going to help them be their best self right mm-hmm. like who is the person what is the kind of person that this character needs to grow and to you know blossom and whatever other word flower words you want to use for it. <laughs> and everly needed somebody i think who truly saw her and that's why i love the camera aspect of this book because oh, it geez. gave me a way to show her and readers how Logan sees her without having to have his point of view, because I really like writing one point of view books because for me, the way the relationships sort of grow in a one um, point of view book just ties into more like what I find enjoyable in reading. Like I want to discover his feelings with her rather than know them already, but the camera gives us insight into how Logan sees her. Yeah. And um, and then she sees herself new through how Logan shows her through the camera, right? And I think she needed to help her. He's not the thing that made her grow, because I'm not for, like, love is what makes everything better. But he helps her in this journey to see herself in a new way. And I felt like she needed someone who could see her fully. And for that to be true, I needed someone who, however grumpy he may be, was incredibly kind mm. on the side, right? Yeah. To be able to see her and see past everything 
that she's afraid makes her too much. And to see mm. that instead is the things that make her great, right? So I was really looking for how I create that man and dogs <laughs> became the way that I created him because I think <laughs> his relationship to Sunday and what happened to his dog as a child really impacted who he is as an adult and what he cares about and like how he sees people in the world and who he wants to be in the world, right? And I think... Um, that just really, their genuine kindness in both of them, I think just really makes them work. And it's why I could never do a third act breakup for them. It just made no sense to me at all. Mm -hmm. every, yeah. time, every time I tried to come up with one, I'm like, no, this is not, the tension's going to come from somewhere else. Yeah. Because yeah. this is not how they, they would work. Yeah. They're just so honest with each other from the beginning. Miscommunication would never work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping we're going to start seeing a lot more romance that doesn't have a third act breakup. And I know that it's really hard. And like, obviously, from the writer's perspective, it's really difficult because you have to have conflict. Right. And I feel like in a contemporary, especially, it's very difficult to have an external conflict that feels believable. Mm -hmm. um, but Which is what the show gave me. Yeah. Which became a really easy way in this one to deal with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Because communication is so important on the flip side communication is something that most people are not good at no absolutely in real life. And I, I think when people <laughs> say that the miscommunication trope is unrealistic because i'm like do you Have communicate you well with everybody in your life sometimes good for you i know i'm like i've been married for 12 years i still suck at it sometimes like yeah, it's definitely absolutely. a thing yeah <laughs> gonna be 18 no. over here and same problems yeah <laughs> um i i am trying so 10 dates doesn't really have a breakup at the end it's just kind of a like we need to really understand each other better kind of moment mm -hmm. um and i'm trying not to have a real third act breakup in the book that i am submitting as my option to so i'm really yes. for colin and allison in the makeup test, I felt like it was necessary for them to have a breakup because just of who their personalities are. But it's not my favorite part of writing a romance either because I get really invested in these people. And I'm like, no, I don't want to break them up. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, Why I just want them to be happy. happy. Right. Let's just have them have tension around. They can't figure out what to have for dinner. <laughs> like in real relationships. And not have to worry about breaking them up. Yeah. I would so, read that. Right? I love that. I would totally read that. I'm here I mean, for it. I mean, you can't relate to the, what are we going to have for dinner? I don't mm -hmm. know. What do you want? I don't know. What do you <laughs> want? <laughs> I feel like there should be a restaurant named, I don't know. What do you want? Right. <laughs> then you go in and they just pick something for you. So you have one thing on the menu. <laughs> yeah. It's that way, like, whenever somebody says that, that's where you go. Absolutely. That's amazing. Um, were there any like really like fun self-indulgent research moments or something that like any like does anything stand out in your mind that you're that you like had so much fun doing while writing this book oh um clothes I had Ooh. a lot of fun um thinking about because especially if you're plus size clothes isn't always fun right mm. like you are stuck with there's maybe three stores in a mall that you can even step into 
and then you're sort of stuck with whatever they have to offer. And a lot of times, like in my life, because I've been plus size most of my life, I would see somebody and I would go, I just want to wear that. Why can't they make it a little bigger? Mm -hmm. Right. And it seems like that's somehow impossible to do. And so for a long time, it was not a lot of fun to dress your body if you were plus size. And there's way more options now, but there's still, I feel like, price prohibitations. Because some of like the really good, like Universal Standard, Madewell, some of these places that have really good plus size options, you're paying $75 for one shirt, Mm. right? And like, that's not feasible for a lot of people. And so one thing that I wanted to do with on the plus size was have fun with clothes, right? This is my world. And so I imagined a plus size store where they'll also make you custom pieces and Everly doesn't have to worry about the cost because the show is going to pay for it. And, um, and I got to just have a lot of fun playing with clothes in like Pinterest, like looking at like dresses on Pinterest and imagining that someone plus size could wear them. And just, it was a lot of, that was probably my favorite. And I Mm. bought way too much clothes during the time. Right off. Right off. Right off. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I had to try out this new plus size place I'd never heard of for research method. Yeah. Yeah, you could totally sell that. I'm here for it. I did love the store in the book, and I was like, oh, man, I wish this was like a real place. I did, too. It's not on Newberry Street. Don't bother going. It's not. (laughs) It was a great way to bring Sophie back too from the first book right is that is the store Sophie if you've read the makeup test her Allison's best friend is applying for a new job and that's That's the store so we kind of get to see that Sophie um has continued in her career and then if you missed it the at the renaissance fair the two people fighting about turkey legs and anachronisms is Colin and Allison (laughs) and he's wearing the armor again so there's little um sort of returns from all of the makeup test people in this one and then in 10 dates is like the last book in that universe so everybody comes back i was just gonna (laughs) ask you that oh in some really fun ways although my editor did tell me there's too much logan in that book no i'm sorry (laughs) it's not possible She's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's like, Demi, it's not his book. <laughs> You're like, it doesn't matter. Because the main character in 10 Dates, Stanton, is a roommate. Because I loved Stanton so much that I was not ready to get rid of him. Yes. <laughs> so we get to see him again. Love it. Stanton has I a love little this. love life in that one. So. I love this universe you've built. I know. Yeah. I'll be sad to say goodbye to it. No. So Do you think you'll go beyond three books for it? No. I have no. like the next um the book I'm submitting for my <clears> option <throat> is like a whole new sort of trilogy that I'm very excited about. So Woohoo. But very <laughs> cool. I love it. All right. Well, one of the main things that we wanted to chat with you about today, because I know that you are very passionate about it, is fat representation specifically yes. in romance but i think really everywhere in the yes. world is fine whole podcast just myself on fat rep in children's media and why they have to stop what they're doing but anyways amazing <laughs> do it 
do because it because it makes me so mad <laughs> and well the still floor happens. is yours my friend yeah i know but we can talk about it in romance because i think it's really important in romance too because i think something that um romance when you write romances you are participating in thinking about the ways in which relationships and love dictate gender norms and dictate beauty standards and things like that right because it's Mm. hard to get outside of romance saying something to readers about who gets love Mm. and if you look at the large swath of romance available to us the answer to that question is thin white straight women still right that we have definitely made strides you know, there's much more romance available by people of color, though we still need more of it. And there's mm-hmm. much more queer romance available, but we still need more of it, particularly when it comes to, like, trans rep- representation and things mm-hmm. like that, for sure. But the same thing with fat representation, right, is I think that is one. There are more, but there are still very few traditionally published. Like, the indie space is doing a lot better with fat representation than traditional publishing is. I can probably name on my hands five writers who do fat rep. Um, and so Go little it. of it. Oh, you want? <laughs> yeah, shout them out if you well, want to. Well, so Olivia Dade. So I can count on both. Olivia Dade, Julie Murphy, Rebecca Witherspoon, um, Talia Hibbert, Laura Moher, um, Danielle Jackson. Who am I missing? Taj has at least Taj one. Has, yep. Josh McCoy, um, Sariana Glass, who does like Game On and The Love Con, has plus size rep. Um, me, <laughs> you, you, um, you know, but there, I should be able to name them faster than this, right? Like, it's yeah, yeah, it's not great that there's so few. Oh, Denise Williams is another person that does mm-hmm. fat rep. Um, and so, and thankfully within that, we do have representation of intersections with fatness too, but again, not a ton, right? Yeah. And so, um, I think that when you just see thin white women who look a certain way, mm-hmm. be the hero or the one who gets love in every romance, that tells people who deserves love right and so i'll be honest my whole life i was like well i don't look like same thing in rom-coms and right things outside of writing it's the same in all other forms of media i spent my whole life thinking i was never going to find a relationship because of how i looked right i wasn't i didn't look like any of those girls my body didn't my face didn't i didn't sound like them as i describe myself i am a muppet of a human and it is who i am right And so, but you can challenge that through telling stories where other bodies, other kinds of people, other identities get to find love too, right? And I feel like it's one of the most important ways we can challenge fat phobia is by humanizing fat bodies, by showing that people, because there's this sense, right, that if you're fat, all you do is sit on the couch and either think about losing weight or eat, right? But yet, if you go to the gym, you get made fun of for going to the gym. Mm-hmm. And if you don't go to the gym, you're lazy. If you mm-hmm. eat a salad, they make fun of you for trying to eat better. If you eat a hamburger, you're a fat pig, right? Like, it's just awful. 
And there's this way in which no one can see fat people beyond their bodies and the assumptions made about those bodies. But when you tell stories that aren't about their bodies, right? So there are people who are out there finding love, fulfilling their dreams, having adventures, all of these things, then you create empathy and points of connection with people who may not have ever had that lived experience, right? And so that's why it's so important to me. And I do think we need a real reckoning in romance too about how we represent male love interests because it's the same kind of problem, right? Like Mm -hmm. I had this really interesting experience in um, one of my literature classes. So I used to teach this class while teaching again, but I haven't taught in a while that put Disney in conversation with the text that inspired it. So like we'd watch Snow White and then read the grim Snow White and go, oh, those are two very different things. <laughs> and when we were talking about Hercules, um, one of my male students brought up that that movie really messed him up because he has always looked like Hercules did before he became a hero. Mm. And he could never understand why someone who gets their strength from magic has to look a certain way to be strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and I I mean I think romance perpetuates a similar thing for men, right? That there's only one type of man who is sexy and that you want to dream about and whatever else, right? And that is not great either, right? And so I try to write against that as well. Like Colin in the makeup test is a string bean. She calls him Ichabod Crane. So if you've ever seen like the Disney's (laughs) Sleepy Hollow, like that's what we're picturing. And then Logan has his own body insecurities. Like he's got these great upper arms because he carries a camera around all the time, but he's got a little belly and that has been like um, something that's bothered him in 10 dates. The love interest is a plus size man. And so I just think that there's ways that we can also help. It doesn't mean you can't have stories where you've got thin beautiful women and jacked men but there have to be love stories for other types of people as well and mm-hmm. other bodies and i'd love to see more romances with disabled main characters right um yeah oh freezing oh no we're good okay You're so good. i don't so that's i mean i just feel like thinking about the ways in which the stories we write impact how people see the world and how yeah. can we help them see the world better Right. It's just always what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, I don't know about you. We're all basically the same age. I like still think about books that I read when I was like in my 20s. I mean, like Bridget Jones, where yep. her mm-hmm. whole thing is like how obsessed she is with her weight and she's like 130 pounds. Mm-hmm. And that was like, it was. Yeah everywhere when we were young and impressionable people and like um i don't know if you've listened to okay so there's a podcast called the ssr podcast no i don't know um which is great because she has different authors on and the whole premise is that the host and the author read a book from like the author's childhood and then like talk about it (laughs) in context of like reading it as an adult And so many of these books that we were consuming as like teenage girls have 
not even like, oh, it's a main plot point, but they just have these like little comments where the moms are always like saying something Mm -hmm. about the weight or don't eat this or you can't wear that or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it is so present and Mm -hmm. so much a part of like what we were inundated with as kids. And so to have a time now when it's like, we are intentionally trying to do the opposite of that is amazing. I will. So the book that messed me up is Matilda. Mm. Go back even younger because I mean, he is so fat. All his books are so fat phobic, but Mm. um, I identified with Matilda, but in my Mm -hmm. mind, I looked like Trunchbull. And so where did that leave me? Right. Um, and he's famous for all fat people do is eat like I just the, the Bruce and the cake from Matilda right like it's just but you don't this is why I get so mad about fat rap in children's lit because there's this way in which children's media often wants to take someone's external appearance and have it be shorthand for who they are inside like think about how Disney does their you know princesses versus the villains right but when you do that you are stigmatizing the qualities associated with the person that's fat, right? So when Mm. all of Disney's villains are fat or too skinny, when all of the silly people are fat, right? When all the fat people are just eating all the time, kids start to make associations with those visuals and their value, right? And they don't understand, well, you as adults, we can look at a book and go, well, that's nonsense, right? That's a stereotype. Kids don't get it. Yeah. And so that is just built into you and can be very hard to unravel. Yeah. And so this is why I get mad. Like I encounter so many middle grade and YA books that still do that work in less obvious ways. Like it's little micro things, right? Like there's just this random throwaway side character and he's fat. And clearly he's the only one at the table who's thinking about they want to eat, right? And it's like, why do you need that? Mm-hmm. If you want to show he's he's greedy, show he's greedy by how his relationship to money or power, why do you have to use the size and food? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I just get so mad that it gets past, like, I'm in publishing. I know how many people look at these things. Yeah. And that's the thing where it's like, I'm sure for the most part on the part of the author, it's totally unconscious that they're like mm-hmm. putting that in there. But course, the fact we that, all grew up in it. Yeah, but the fact that nobody recognizes it. Even right. the author doesn't as they go right. back and read their book a hundred million times right. doesn't recognize because we've it. Been trained, like I think fatness is one of those marginalizations that we're still told it's okay to be marginalized, like to marginalize because fat people aren't healthy and this is about their health and all of this mm-hmm. other nonsense, which if you want to think more about that, I can't recommend maintenance phase as a podcast enough because they are constantly debunking all of these wellness myths, um, including a lot that has to do with the way fat people are treated. And so it's really a useful listen. Um, but I think it's one of the hardest um, marginalizations to get people to see past because there's this incongruous connection of fatness and lack of health. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there's still too, is so much of like, well, if you're fat, it's your choice. It's your Absolutely. fault. Right. 
Like you're right. to blame for that. It is a personal failing. Yeah. Right. Mm. And not a, con- a lot of systemic things butting up against genetics. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, but, man. <laughs> on the plus side, um, explore some of these things in a happy way. Yes. It doesn't make you want to sit down on the floor. Um, I really try to come at fat representation from, like, I want somebody who's never been fat to understand what it is to live in a body they've never had to live in. Mm-hmm. But also to make it feel to make people who have the experience of living in a bigger body go oh god yes like i totally get this but without it being didactic right Mm. like it's a romance it's supposed to have funny moments Mm. i tried my hand at physical humor in this one for the first time Mm -hmm. and i feel like it went all right and but i all that stuff's still in there right and i'm hoping that maybe because of how it's delivered some people might be more open to it than they might be to a maintenance phase podcast yeah so. mm-hmm. well yeah because i think i don't know maybe i'm totally wrong about this but i feel like being insecure about your appearance is a pretty general thing that i think most people encounter at some point in their lives and so i think mm-hmm. um you know those feelings that everly was having and that logan was having like felt extremely relatable yeah yeah and i think a lot of people worry there too much i think more than i would have thought before i wrote this book gosh yeah um worry that like uh, oh my god everybody thinks they're too loud or too ridiculous or too weird right and i always felt like that was just me right so it's been amazing how many people have been like oh my god i'm everly and i'm like no i'm everly <laughs> <laughs> having this this moment (laughs) we are all everly Everly. i love it amazing all right well you're doing amazing yeah i'm gonna sit with that for a while yeah i'm gonna re-listen to this one a lot Uh yeah um okay so let's move on. Okay. <laughs> I was like, how do we segue here? I don't think I can do it. No, no, that's just, fine. just go no for it. Segue from romance to Godzilla. Is that where we're going? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, I mean, is Godzilla the opposite? Okay. I will say, so I was telling Jenny before we started recording that my kid is like super obsessed with Godzilla right now. He's having a moment. Um, and he and my husband have been like watching the old ones, like, watching the movies in Japanese, which I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. here for this. Go for it, kid. So my nine-year-old comes up to me and he's like, so did you know that Godzilla is actually a representation of the atomic bomb? I was Whoa. like, what? <laughs> and he gave me like the whole rundown. And I was like, okay, what is happening right now? But then my husband was saying that there's this new show called Monarch that is kind of like taking like I don't know how he put it like a different look at it but you have been watching can I handle watching this show Jenny Jenny. (laughs) it is I mean I think your nine-year-old could watch it okay to be honest that's good to know it is so the thing that I love about Godzilla is that it is it's like a disaster movie Hmm. only via monster 
So it's like everything I love, right? But it is like there's there's some big creatures. Sometimes people perish <laughs> in the mouths of, under the feet of these well, big they shouldn't creatures. Have been there, right? So. Well, this is what I'm saying. Godzilla's just a dog who doesn't know his size. He's right. not trying to step on your building. It's just there. Yeah. But um, but you don't see the smushed bodies. Like, there's not a lot of gore. Okay. Um, Good to know. It's, so it's more like action-y than it is horror, yeah. if that helps. But it's also what they've done with Monarch. So... Um, the first they start they like restarted U.S. Godzilla because they tried in the late '90s, early 2000s. I believe there was like a Madrick, Bro- a Matthew Broderick Godzilla or something. I remember there. that and one. He was I think not this- Godzilla, but he was in the movie. But yeah. they restarted this back in I think it was 2014. The first one came out, and it was done in this incredible way, where you don't a lot of the times you're not even seeing the full monster. They're like in the background fighting as you're like running with the main character or you're just seeing Godzilla's eye pop up as like they're walking down a bridge and he's there. And it was done in this just like, really, if you like cinematography and you care about that kind of stuff, um, it's done in this like really great way. And it has Brian Cranston in it and Elizabeth Olsen and Aaron, whatever his face is, that he was Elizabeth Olsen's brother in the Avengers movies. And then I think he's recently played Dahmer or something that like that guy everybody thinks is hot. Um, he's in it. And it's a it's much about like family and like how you define family as it is about this giant monster and Godzilla's the good guy because there's like another monster trying to destroy the world and he's here to bring balance and like takes on the monsters but they so it started with that one and then they did Godzilla King of Monsters and then they did Skull Island where they introduced King Kong and this is not the Peter Jackson King Kong that was 95 hours long <laughs> from like the early 2000s this one has Tom Hiddleston so again your eyes are going to be perfectly entertained while watching this. Um, Gotta love Tom. And then, and then I think Brie Larson is in that too. So you've got, you've also got things for people who like women's eyes to look at as well. Um, and then they did Kong versus Godzilla. And then the second one in that series is coming out. And they're starting to get like silly and sci-fi-ish at this point because power creep right you've got to do something bigger every time Mm. but they're just wholly entertaining and it's cool to think about how they do this artistically how they make these monsters look real and then monarch is sort of set within that world and bringing small pieces from all of them together it's really well done and then it's got um michael douglas and no is it not michael is it which one is it He's because he's got a son whose name I can't yeah. Wyatt Douglas. Is it Michael? No. Kurt One Russell. Mike- Kurt Russell. Why I always say Michael Douglas, I don't know. Cut that part out. So it's no. got Wyatt Russell and Kurt Russell in there playing the same characters in different parts, like different moments in time. Oh, so it's one of those moments where you're like, I believe that's him when he was that age because they're like, I related. So it works really well. But it's just really well done and it's smart and it's cool. I think you could handle it. 
Okay. I like how but they're I... also taking all the MCU actors because I can yeah. touch down with that at any time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, but really why I love Godzilla is because he just seems like a tired dog and he just <laughs> wants everybody to touch some grass and relax and leave him alone. Oh, and he's All just right. got a squishy face. I just want to squish his face. Sorry, I have like I just believed Godzilla's a dog, and I know he's not, but that is my cuteness aggression, and, right? And so, as I was telling you guys before we started the podcast, so I also really love Legos. And for Christmas, my husband found me off-brand Legos that was Godzilla from the like second, like Godzilla King of Monsters or whatever. And so I have I've started this city of lego modular buildings on top of one of my bookcases and now i've got godzilla making his way it's amazing my my heart very happy i don't care that i'm 43 that's you know what i have to say i totally came to lego through my kid and i am now obsessed like i Mm -hmm. have my own lego sets like we go to the lego store and he's like i'm getting this one and i'm like cool i'm getting this one like they're amazing and big mad that they were never marketed to us as girls growing up. And even now they're marketing the girl stuff is like pretty yeah. and blah. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I, no, I want like normal Legos, not girl Legos. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I, um, we just found the cutest little thing. I got it for my kid first. It's a little, it's like a postcard, but uh-huh. it's for New York made out of Lego. Okay. And oh, nice. So my kid got it first and then I was like, can I put that in my office? And he was like, no, it's mine. And I was like, okay, well, I need one for me now. So I bought it for me. But my favorite Lego set that I have is Disneyland's Haunted Mansion. And it is... A little one? Yeah. So it's like the whole exterior of the building. And then when you flip it around, there's like a little peek at the inside. And it yeah. is the cutest fucking thing I've ever seen. And I don't know why we haven't done all of the Disneyland rides yet. Ooh. I need them to get on that because I, have I love both. them. I have both versions of the Disney castle. So they <gasps> had one that was out forever. And then with the 100th anniversary, they released a new one that's like different colors. And it's got a bunch of princess and prince, prince Legos instead of like Ma- Donald and Mickey and Tinkerbell. Yeah. So I'm in the middle of that one right now i just i find them really helpful for so i have a general anxiety disorder and like if i'm anxious about something i can sit down yeah and do a few sets of the instructions and it resets my brain i often before mm-hmm. i start a writing session will do like one two three little sets of instructions for legos and it just helps like reset That's so smart so <laughs> My problem is I have a hard time stopping. Like when I start. Oh, yeah. It's very, yeah. <laughs> I get that. But I like to make it last. I'm like this yeah. with books I really like to. I will spend a month and a half reading one book if I really like it because I don't want to leave that world. Like I, it took me forever to read The Vampires of El Norte by Isabel Canas because I loved it so much mm-hmm. that I wouldn't let myself read more than a chapter or two a night. So I could just hang out in that world forever. And then I would go read something else. So, like, I finished a bunch of other books while I was still reading that one because I just wanted to stay there. That's amazing. I'm way too impatient for that. Me too. I wish I could save her more. I'm impressed by that. Yeah. 
That's amazing. What's your um, favorite right. Lego set you have? Oh, sorry, Fab. I was just going to ask that. <laughs> Besides Godzilla? Because yeah. right now we um, So I, they make these modular buildings. Um, and they're my favorite because they do all this outdoor architectural detail to it. Oh. And then inside, like, you'll make a bathroom with a toilet. And you'll make, like, you don't even see the inside because of how they're set up. Because you actually take, like, each level of the building off to be able to see inside. So it's not like you oh, can wow. see them, but they put all of this excellent detail into it. And one of them is a bookstore. <gasps> I and so. I made little on the plus side stickers and turned all the books oh. they give you with it to on the plus side. Oh my god, that's so cute, Jenny! <laughs> so extra. No, I love I that. I need it. Okay, put it on your that's Instagram. Amazing. That's amazing. Okay, but I have like five buildings right now, and then Kevin bought me the hotel. For Christmas, and I got myself the Museum of Natural Science, which is their newest one, and it comes with a little Lego dinosaur. It's like a little brontosaurus. Saw that one. That goes in the museum. <laughs> it's just the level of detail just makes my heart so happy, and it's just something that you don't have to worry about being able to do well because they give you the instructions right. So yeah, like with a lot of crafting, I don't feel like I'm a good drawer. I don't feel like I knit and crochet well. And so this, it's like I can do it well because someone is helping me make sure that I do yeah. that. Yeah. And like eventually Kevin and I want to try building something without instructions, like just make something like work together. Like a Lego Masters. You've seen that show, right? No. no. Yes. Ooh. I haven't watched the whole thing, but it's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Your son would probably love it. Yeah. It's fascinating. Yeah. There's a show uh, hosted by Will Arnett, Courtney on Will Fox. Arnett. That they, Will Arnett. Lego Batman. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> and they like they're the all of these like people who are like obsessed with Legos and every week they have to build something. And it's like really cool to watch. And then I end up buying like six Lego sets. That's <laughs> nice. cool. I also really love the flowers because I can't yeah. keep plants alive. So I just have the Lego flowers all over my house. Yep. They're so they cute. Never die. Jenny gifted me the succulents for my birthday, and I'm obsessed with them. At Christmas, I put little hats on my bird of paradise. That's cute. <laughs> Amazing. I just decided as of this moment that I'm going to get the bookstore as my, like, release day present. Next Yay. Month. Get it soon because they retire. I know. I hate that. Oh, no. So rude. I love yeah. the holiday. People... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jenny. Yeah, but people mark them up like really bad too once they retire. Oh, of yeah. course. It's um, annoying. I love the holiday Main Street because I've never had like a little, Ooh. you know, like the like decor Christmas like city, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've never had one of those. I'm like, I should get the Lego one. <laughs> like that should be our decoration. <laughs> Do so it. I am completely out of my mind and ordered very specific Legos from the Lego website so i made my own wreaths for every building <gasps> on my street for christmas and then i bought the advent calendar because it had like santa and a snowman and stuff in it and i used those so i have like christmas decorations for my little town oh that's so <laughs> cute it's <Yes. That's> amazing <laughs> you have fun with it 
I'm, love it. I, so I'm going to try and get a roller coaster before yes. Love and Full Tilt comes out because my YA is set in an amusement park. And I'm just thinking of the promo because I have the Disney Castle. I have not the Haunted Mansion, but I have the their Haunted House from Lego, which was part of their like carnival set. And I'm like, if I could just get one roller coaster, I would have everything that I need to do some like wacky promo for this amusement have- park book. Do it. Okay. have you you seen i'm like having a flashback i haven't seen it in a while but there is a bookstagram account that like that redoes covers right yeah like moments from romance yeah yes i I follow them yes i don't know the the handle but that's fun you could totally Do do that i i just am thinking like the ways I could use like the roller coasters and stuff in pictures, yeah, to like promo the mm. book and stuff. I'm just That'd be I was so talking cute. to Kevin about this today, and of course because he um, enables me completely, he's mm. like, "Oh yeah, definitely we should do this." Yeah, I'm gonna tell him. Fallon says I can write it off. I was just gonna say it's a write off. <laughs> I'm not an accountant. Don't take your tax advice from me, but I'm pretty sure you can write it off until somebody <laughs> asks about it. So yeah. <laughs> If you're using Don't it for me, I needed to understand how roller coasters fit together to yeah. write this book. Yeah. If you use it for promo, I think it counts. Right. Um, all right. Well, we're running a little short on time, but we have touched yeah. a little bit on your two upcoming projects. But give us give us the the, the spiel, the short spiel, spiel. The short spiel. All right. So, ten dates. Uh, how to get a life in ten dates is my third adult rom com. It's in the same universe as on the plus side in the makeup test. And it's about a plus size woman who is fed up with dating, but she has a big event she has to go to. So she challenges her friends and family to set her up on 10 dates so that they can see how bad dating is when everything goes badly. (laughs) But then she's actually having a good time dating until her best friend who she's been in love with forever throws himself into the mix. <laughs> and now she has to decide like they've tried in the past and it didn't work. Is it worth potentially ruining what they have for something more? So it's a best friend um romance. Love hey. it. And your YA baby. Oh, right. My why I keep it. I sold it last year and it doesn't come out till 2025. So it doesn't feel real, even though I need to have a full draft done in February. <laughs> <laughs> so my YA book is about a, so I made up my own Disney world. So yeah, this you did. amusement park is called Fable Land. And the main character is like a super fan and gets into a 50th anniversary, scave- anniversary scavenger hunt at the amusement park and she's desperate to win because there's a cash prize and it will help set her up to like figure out what she wants to do for the future except then she meets this really hot guy who's also a contestant and she's got to decide whether winning the contest or winning his heart is more important amazing so good so good and that one's love at full tilt love at full tilt all right, and then last thing before we let you go, can you let yeah. our listeners know where to find you? I'm Jenny L. Howe everywhere except Twitter because I left there. <laughs> Bravo. I think we all did. 
<laughs> the great migration. I'm totally known as Twitter. <laughs> yes. It's all now. It's just J E N N Y, the letter L H O W E, at Instagram, TikTok, and threads, kind of. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yep. Feeling that. All right. Uh, Jenny, this has been amazing. Thank yeah. you so much for coming Thanks to chat with us. Me. You're the best. I always love chatting with you guys. We love you. I might be out that way in April, too, <gasps> so maybe we can like... Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I have a family having a wedding or like a wedding celebration, and since I'm going to be out there, um, Zippy Books in Santa Monica oh, yeah. asked me if I wanted to come to an event, so Fun. maybe we'll get this thing back together for the event. Let's we will come to you. Yay. Amazing. Sounds um, awesome. Once I know more, I'll let you guys know more. Yay. Okay. We'll be there. All right. Well, thank you, Jenny. Thank you, everyone, thank you for, for listening. Me. You guys are all amazing. And we'll chat with you more next week. Bye. Oh. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, I thought I like physically couldn't say goodbye. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, one more time. I'm sorry. Hello, I'm still here. Thank you for having me. Oh, goodness, whatever. It'll be what it's going to be. That's my new attitude about everything having to do with publishing. It says 99% uploading. <laughs> well, you're, then you're just going to have to listen to my doctor tell me what to do about my low iron because they're calling me at 430. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm slow. You love me and I'm amazing. Okay. Oh, yes. Those exist here. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, you will. I'm like an hour from the Cape, so I'm not far. Uh huh. Yes. I, I've given up on that, honey. Please let me know. Absolutely. We could see too if we could get a an East Coast event going for you somewhere here. My local indie is like the best place to do book stuff. 
could they have? So first of all, they're owned by the guy who writes Diary of the Wimpy Kid. And up the third floor is like his studio and it is the coolest thing ever because it's fully uh, Wimpy Kid themed. But they have a second floor that is fully space for events. So like they can fit 200 people in there, which they did for Christina Lauren. Um, but there's like a stage with twinkle lights and it's really well done. So I always highly recommend people reach out to them if they're coming this way. Yes. I know. Right. And they have like, like he's totally revitalized the community. Like he's bought a lot of other buildings on their main street and wants to turn their main street into like a, a place, a destination people come to. So. Okay. All right. So I'm going to say goodbye and leave. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, friend. Thank you so much for listening to Happy to Meet Cute. If you enjoyed our podcast, we would love it so much if you would give us a follow on social media. We are at Happy to Meet Cute on Instagram. And also, if you could please leave a review and subscribe, that would be amazing. If you would like to follow your host, you can find Courtney at court underscore k k a e on all social media platforms and you can find me fallon ballard at fallon ballard everywhere you imbibe your social media if you would like to buy any of the books mentioned in this episode you can find links in the show notes and a special shout out to zachary kibby and matt ballard for our amazing theme song thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see you next time